You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm Brandon. And I'm Saba. And we are your hosts of the Cannabis Hangout. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with a local cannabis advocate. She wears many different hats, but some of them include being a caregiver to her child, involvement in creating educational events, and writing for cannabis publications. We are super excited to get to know her and pick her brain. So guys, please welcome Jesse to the Cannabis Hangout. Hi, Jesse. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with us. So let's start from the beginning. Will you tell us, please, where your cannabis journey first began? Um, yeah. So um, I went, I'm went. i from Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I went to college in uh, the D.C., Virginia area. Okay. And so I really was tuned in and turned on uh, to cannabis as medicine while I was um, attending uh, BCU in Richmond. Um, Excuse me. Well, I was attending uh, BCU in Richmond, and um, that was right when Bonnaroo first was started. They Uh didn't even own the farm yet. Um, (laughs) So we're talking like 2003. Right after uh, September 2001, I was in media school at that time, unfortunately, um, on that morning in D.C. So uh, I I moved from the D.C. area to the Richmond area um, to continue going to school there. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I learned about cannabis as medicine um, in a recreational form, but also really in a holistic uh, medicinal form. So, so you would say like college is kind of like the time period of when you can like first kind of started seeking out cannabis. Yeah. I mean, obviously I grew up in Tulsa, so, um, yeah. I was exposed, I was, <laughs> I was exposed to cannabis very early. I would say about seventh grade, wow. um, but it wasn't something that it wasn't something that I leaned into. Yeah. So while, um, while I knew, I knew of it, obviously, um, I really didn't get involved until probably, uh, uh, 22, 23. Um, okay. and I, I really learned from some like real, you would call them like real OGs, real, like, um, just people who been doing it for uh, a while were raised on mm-hmm. communes and in communities where, um, from, from six seventies and sixties. And, um, so I feel very honored and, um, um, I feel very humbled by the fact that I received that information and education very early. Yeah, Um, that is cool. So, Jesse, what would you say? We all have our preferred method, but what would you say is your go-to way of consuming cannabis? Yeah, thanks for asking that. So, I understand that layering cannabis as medicine is very important. So, for me, um, I'm always going to be medicating or, uh, or starting my day with a tincture. And then I'm going to be layering... Uh, with combustible flour, but because I'm a busy mom, I'm always on the go. Combustible flour isn't always accessible to me um, in the different environments I'm in throughout the day. So I always reach for, um, I love these hollow live rosin carts right now. Mm -hmm. I know it's clean medicine, 
um, they are disposable, but they're biodegradable and they're rechargeable. So um, I'm using a cart all day by hollow. Um, and then as my needs change, I might, um, I might consume a different ratio tincture later in the day. Um, if I don't have access to my bong um, in the evening, maybe we're staying out of, we're not at home. Um, I might use, I might layer with a chocolate. I love a nature tea chocolate. I know it's full spec. Yes. Um, I just Nature's love team. layering a full spec product with a combustible flower. And I like to get as close to the plant material as possible. That's great. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, that. It's always cool to hear what people's routines are during the day and like what their go-to ways of consumption are because it's never just one. And I like that you said layers because, I mean, even for me, everyday cannabis is like different layers that I have to add on based on my mental health, my physical health, my emotional health, you know, just kind of what I'm feeling that day. Yeah. So what do you enjoy? You know, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just going to close with, I think, uh, on that question with, I think it's super important to listen to your body and, um, every day we're different, right? So whether we're a human who deals with, uh, you know, uh, our ECS deficiencies could be, um, diabetes or a spectrum. You, maybe you're an a- ASD person. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're anxiety or, uh, whatever that might be. Maybe it's a gastro thing, right? Maybe it's in your tummy. Um, all of our needs vary and they change. So I, I always tell people it's super important, um, to mix up your consumption methods, layer those consumption methods, and always, you know, you want to journal them because if you are introducing something new, a new product, a new profile to your system, um, I love to recommend journaling uh, because I think it's important to just uh, collect that data. That's your own personal data. There is no doctor. You are your own doctor. Right, right. Um, And if you're a caregiver, even more so. Um, yeah, it's so, even more important anyway. too, I think. Yeah. 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 So to transition, what do you like doing after you smoke? Um, existing. <laughs> real. <laughs> um, real talk. Uh, I'm going to be 42 next week. I like uh, being a good mom. I like being a good spouse. Um, I support a lot of women in my community. I like to... Um, you know, engage and uplift. And I can't do that if I am dealing with my own um, deficiencies, right? Mm-hmm. So some days maybe sure. I'm, I don't want to get up, you know, because I'm feeling super depressed mm-hmm. or overwhelmed, right? I'm a, I'm a woman right now. It's overwhelming to just exist. Yes. So um, anyway, I like to... So fun things that I like to do uh, after consuming, like in a recreational kind of sense, uh, if I'm not just medicating to level, but medicating um, to, you know, have a good time. Um, I like, I have a, a group of girlfriends that are all really weird and fun and silly. And we like just being together. We go to restaurants. Um, we're really into food, so we're foodies. Um, we like going to dispos together, but I just like being weird and authentic with I my friends. I love that you weird was the first way you yeah. described your friends because <laughs> my friends are weird and I love them for being weird. I collect weird people. Oh, and I love that you use the word collect because I often will say in our industry, we come across a lot of douchebags. Yeah. But, but for every 10 douchebags you encounter, you're going to encounter one soul that's like yeah, super authentic you have some gems. And, and you want to collect those. I collect those people and I keep them for myself and my inner circle and we nourish each other. We uplift each other and we grow each other. That's important. And now we're in year four. 
Um, so I don't have time for people who I can't be weird with. Yes. Preach. <laughs> I totally Mic drop. So, um, with that being said, everyone, we all have a different family dynamic. What's your family like with your cannabis consumption? Are you pretty open with them? Yeah, thanks for asking. So um, I grew up in a household. My dad's an engineer. Um, so it was a very rigid, like, Episcopalian household. However, uh, my mom uh, is Choctaw. She, her, she was raised by a single mother. Um, and that household dynamic was very different. So coming up, cannabis was something that um, I, they knew when I dabbled in it, um, but it was very, uh, my grandparents were very involved in my upbringing, so it was very dis- they were very disproving of it. Okay. Um, so that being said, now as parents, um, oftentimes we, we are the type of parents that we are to spite or because of our parents. Yes. Um, I love my parents very much and, um, um, and I value obviously, uh, the life that I had uh, growing up. But for me, the choice that I made when, uh, my spouse and I, I chose a spouse, uh, that shared the same interests that I had. Right. Right. Um, so we're still together. Uh, and, um, so he also is a patient. And, um, so for our, our parents, my, our, our outer family who doesn't live in our home, they understand that cannabis is medicine is a part of our daily lives because we both left the corporate environment at one time for the cannabis industry. Okay. We obviously were very open uh, with our, our families. Um, really, it's not the family conversation that is more taboo. It's the like the PTA. Um, the uh, the doctors, the healthcare, you know, the healthcare providers, mm-hmm. the people that aren't. Our family has our support. They understand that cannabis as medicine helps heal, helps to heal us. Um, my mother is was a person who had alcoholism, and she succumbed to her cirrhosis as a result of alcoholism. Okay. So for me, um, I help and lean into a lot of patients who are struggling with that and are using cannabis as medicine. Um, we understand that profiles that are super high in caryophylline um, help support and replace. Um, I'm not a scientist or a healthcare professional. I just want to add that. You can jump on PubMed uh, and do all of your own research using keywords alcohol or alcoholism and caryophylline and cannabis to find all of these, uh, all of this data to support this, these claims. Um, but I know, and my family knows, that um, I'm super uh, tuned in. We're fully in this. Um, and it really is, we're helping to heal not just our family and our generational trauma and what that looks like. Yes. Um, but other people as well because they trust us because we're open. Yes. Um, because there, we're not really. living, yeah, we're not living um, in that, in the closet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. That was really great. So that's a perfect transition into you're a mom and um, you messaged us and said that, do you have a son or daughter? Yeah. So I have two sons. Okay. I have three children. No one is neurotypical in my home. Okay. Um, but I have, I have two sons who are diagnosed uh, with autism. Okay. And one is uh, older, but the one that I, that is a, uh, a licensed patient is nine. 
Okay. So how has, will you tell us a little bit about how, like how cannabis has helped um, your son just in through his autism? Cause I know autism, autism is different within each person. So how has it helped him? Yeah. Thank you for asking that and giving me this platform to talk about this. Um, so my child, um, like many children has issues with impulse control. He, um, and also just verbal, he has, a he just verbally cannot communicate like you and I can. And he's nine. Um, so sometimes this looks like um, outbursts or meltdowns because he is telling his support person or me or whatever that looks like, um, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to do this in his own way. Um, and when those cues are not met immediately, I mean, oftentimes there's 40 children. There's, you know, there's multiple reasons why. Um, my child just doesn't have the ability to pause. So that became, um, let's say, problematic for me in a way that I wanted to be a professional in my um, industry. So I wanted to, I wanted to maintain a nine to five. But in the cannabis industry, everyone knows you can't maintain a nine to five. It's literally twenty four thirty six. Yeah. Like it's all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but my child, and this is one of three children, so I have humans who, who need me a lot. And this specific child was needing me a lot. And I was having to leave um, my position at my big brand uh, cannabis industry job um, a lot, more often than anybody was happy about. Um, but everybody understands. So oftentimes I just have to jump up and go and get my kids. Mm-hmm. So eventually, um, it got, we had, my spouse and I had discussed, we had been helping other people for two and a half years at this point to license their kids, to find the right profiles, to find the right retailers for them, to find, you know, all of them. And I finally, so many conversations of just crying on the floor, we were like, this is enough. We're getting his license. So we did all of that. And here is how cannabis has helped my child. So uh, my child was a CBD patient prior to I was giving him CBD up through like 2017-18. Then we legalized, right? Mm -hmm. So June 2018, we vote or legalization. Then by October, I had left my position and I was full-time in the cannabis industry. So I had access to these daily conversations about what what could help my child. And I found we were using an ashwagandha CBD blend that I was comfortable and confident with the source material and all of that I had done. Selected. So my child already had, his ECS already had been, um, already had been introduced to a CBD isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that I'm introduced, I had introduced, um, uh, minimal. I understand the importance of introducing a THC to the profile um, because for us, I understand that a full spectrum profile is what we need. Isolates are super important in the introduction of uh, cannabis as medicine, um, and they obviously they have their place in formulated lab profiles. But for me, I was really wanting full spectrum medicine for my kid from uh, source material as close to the plant material as possible. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I noticed immediately once we started giving him a tincture, I started with a 10 to 1 ratio that was formulated for me, that was customized for me. 
Um, and we introduced that journaling every day. Um, and I was giving it to him. I, I went through all the certifications locally um, that gave me the confidence to understand his dose. So really, as his parent, it's just observe, observation and um, trusting your instinct and mm-hmm. your communica- communication, nonverbal communication with your child. Yeah. My child immediately started um, his ability to pause was something that we noticed right away. His para was sending me text messages, um, photos of him with completed art projects with big oh, smiles. Wow. So um, my point is that we were able to go from introduction of a project mm-hmm. to completion of a project. Which is huge. And one, yes. And any autism parent, whether your kid's 45 or 4, understands that um, there are so many disruptions that could happen from point A to point Z that I was just celebrating that. So anyway. So um, how does uh, journaling as a caregiver go? Like, do you, are you writing down like the time you're giving them? How how much, what it is, what they're reacting to? Like, are you pretty like on it? Yeah, that's, uh, those are great questions. Yeah. So um, I, I'm going to journal the time and date. I'm going to journal the brand. So, uh, I'm going to journal next to the brand, the batch number and the, uh, gummy, oh, excuse me, the product. So That's smart. The batch number. My, yeah. Batch number is important because it's a reference point. If I need to go back and refer to, we were having out multiple outbursts in June, the week, third week of June, but we ha- weren't having them the second week of April. And I like to know what I was giving them because yeah. I collect the COA. Yeah. So batch numbers are important because you can refer back to your COA. And if you're journaling, it's important to keep those copies as well. Yeah, that's good. That's very smart. Good advice. Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Yes, and with being business owners ourselves, we understand what it's like pretty well, I think. With BIC Legal, they practice in areas like family law, estate planning, business litigation, and review and draft contracts for your company while assisting in licensing applications, and so much more. And with the Oklahoma cannabis industry thriving, the rules and regulations related to cannabis are quite strict. Jade Pebworth with BIC Legal, she really enjoys working with companies from the ground up. So if you're looking for good legal help in Oklahoma, she's your girl. Let's get back to today's episode. So as a patient who is starting at point A, like you were at once, but had hasn't tapped into the cannabis industry at all. Do you have any advice for fellow parents that who may be looking to use cannabis as an alternative form of form of medicine? Yeah. So, um, thanks for asking me that. Um, I, I have a lot of patients who come to me who are afraid to cross the, the wellness conversation from CBD to obtaining that license. Um, I have patients who want, who are using cannabis medicine in a pediatric way as um, um, not regularly, not preventatively, but um, as a reaction. Mm. So I really just implore them to not be afraid. We're in year four now in Oklahoma. So all of those resources are available to you. Yes. Um, But nobody is going to take that step for you and nobody is going to pull that trigger. Like, I have parents who will wait two years. I was one of them because they're afraid. Um, I, I, I 
implore any family to just do their research. Um, find out where their CBD, if they're already giving their child CBD, find out where that source material is. Is it hemp seed oil? Um, it's, just find out what that source material is. And then do your research and learn about a full-spectrum product. Um, for children, there's so many options right now. I'm often uh, telling caregivers, you know, we understand that layering our cannabis as medicine uh, prolongs, extends. Uh, the, the synergy of, of the different profiles together is bigger, brighter, louder, and longer than the singular um, isolate or the singular um, item or product that they're giving their child. So um, know that there, there are gummies, there are topicals and transdermals, there are tinctures. There are lots of products out there that are not combustible flour or vape carts. There's no reason to wait. There's no reason to wait. Just do it now. That's good. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. We appreciate you. Um, so, Jesse, let's flip, flip the script a little bit. Other than being a great parent and caregiver, will you please tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thank you. Yeah. Um, oh, man. That's a loaded question, ladies. It is. <laughs> um, okay. So, first, I'm a mom. That aside, um, I work uh, very closely with my friend Tara Quinn of High Hope. We Shout out to Tara. <laughs> we love okay. Tara. So, with uh, Tara and I, uh, we host can- simplified cannabis with me- as medicine events for anyone. Uh, the point is to meet you where you are, right? So that's going to be your support people, your grandma, your auntie, your the jud- judgmental clergy person. I, like anyone who is curious, can curious about cannabis as medicine can come to one of our events. Um, our speakers are physicians, pharmacists. Um, we had, uh, we have, we have reputable, knowledgeable speakers. Um, there's an opportunity to get your license or renew if you're in need. And then, then also, um, meet your full spectrum cannabis as medicine makers, um, face to face and really ask them those, uh, those questions. We also had a, a cannabis attorney on site last time. So anyway, so we're doing that. Um, aside from High Hopes, I also am a freelance writer, so I, I write about current events in the cannabis industry um, for publications like Herbage Magazine. I recently wrote about uh, the house bills and 818 and 819 and awesome. the Orca, um, all of that. So um, if you're interested in reading anything I've written, uh, you could just jump on Herbage or uh, jessielaneconsulting.com. I'm always available um, and eager to help you, whether you're a patient or, um, or, or maybe you're interested in getting into the cannabis industry, or maybe you are um, a cannabis brand and you need your SOPs audited because you don't feel comfortable and confident with them. Um, reach out to me. So what do you do with consulting, Jesse? Yeah, so in my experience, I've opened... Um, three dispensaries now uh, and I have worked for two major uh, cannabis brands that you know um, so I have a lot of experience mm-hmm. uh, but also I'm a patient first and a caregiver yes, yes. Um, I've gone through all those certifications so as far as um, discussing um, a patient's effects request 
I'm able to, because I have retail experience, I'm able to assess a dispensary's um, menu or a brand's menu um, and then provide one-on-one practical care uh, for a patient. Maybe that is shopping with a patient in the dispensary. Okay. Maybe that is um, meeting them where they are and just having a natural, organic conversation about what their needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm really loving it. That I left awesome. my major brand about a year ago to just be here with my kids. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm filling my my bucket. I'm filling my needs by helping the community um, when I want to, how I want to, and representing uh, the brands that I feel that I've vetted and that meet my, uh, my personal, like that you, I have to validate you and in order to recommend you to someone who comes to me. So that's what I'm doing now. And I'm really loving it. And I'm really glad you asked me that. So thank you for giving me a moment to talk about myself because I don't hate it. Of course. We love when people talk about themselves. We love to learn about people. So you said um, with the retail spaces that you opened, um, what what was that like? Because I, I used to work at a dispensary and I remember going through the whole process okay, yeah. of, you know, like yeah. doing like all the menu and stuff was already done. Like yeah. everything had been purchased when we got there. But I know that whole process is also a huge process in itself. So like give us a little yeah. rundown of what that was like for you. Yeah, the first brand uh, was the brand that I came on, came into the industry with in 2018. I left my, I was in a postpartum, uh, I was a postpartum doula, so I was in postpartum care. Um, and uh, so I left that for, my, uh, you know, the big dream, right? So uh, we opened two dispos, one in February in Tulsa at 26 in Sheridan. And we were one of the first, I would say, 10 to 15 dispos. Um, and then the second location opened, I believe, in April. Nope, March. Um, so not right back to back, but there was a little gap in between. Mm-hmm. Um, that woman was out in Quita. And um, I left that brand soon after that and went on to a dispensary at 71st and Sheridan. Um, that one's called Greencraft. They're still there. They're uh, owned and operated by some really amazing people. Um and I came on uh, as a bud tender with them, uh, opening that dispo and setting up the floor and all of that. And um, I'll tell you what, that first dispo, that really included, you know, um, reviewing and um, all of the submitted forms for all of the applicants all over the state of Oklahoma who just wanted to live or fulfill their cannabis or their industry dream because we were so new and everybody wanted to get in there must have been I would say 150 to 200 applicants that we that we read and I I, we talked about keeping people Um, of those applicants there are probably a handful five to ten stellar humans who are just just glow like they're just incredible humans that I kept for myself and so now I see them, I uplift them, but also on their own, I see them doing incredible things for our industry and helping people every day still. Um, so that fills my bucket too. That's awesome. Yeah. I love to hear that. So with education, Jesse, being big for us and for you as well, it sounds like for someone who wants to dive deeper, like where did you start and like how did you figure out the path of education that you wanted um, to take to That's- get certified? 
yeah, that's a great question. So in the beginning, I was very anti um, because I thought that this was a very MLM way to um, monetize or you know make money off of people who just wanted to be in legal cannabis. A lot of us, a lot of people have been um, in the prison system. A lot of people have uh, have had um, have cannabis in their past, right? So, um, for me, I was very anti-certification in the beginning because I thought it was bullshit, but, um, I found that it was important to, um, seek these certifications and anyone can create, uh, anyone who has, excuse me, how do I, I'm trying to think about how to say this. Um, there are lots of options out there and it's super important to, um, find out who created the source material, uh, the curriculum, how long they've been in practice. For me, I looked outside of the state of Oklahoma first. And in 2018, I went with the Tricome Institute. I have friends who chose Oaksterdam because Oaksterdam is the oldest and they're reputable as well. They all, these, uh, these guys have, uh, virtual universities, so they're accessible to us here in Oklahoma. So for me, I chose Tricome and I recommend Tricome Institute, um, because, and by now, four years later, there's tons of different educational platforms that you could lean into. Um, I had access to their curriculum for a year. So that's something that um, I don't know that everybody provides. Um, so that was nice for me as a parent because I was able to refer back to it. Um, and if I had any direct questions from patients, I felt um, comfortable and confident answering those questions because I had direct access to the source material That's awesome. Um, and plenty of time to create my own n- notebook of knowledge. Um, I feel like um, the best thing that comes from these certifications is the, uh, is your personal journaling and your personal collection of wealth that you create while yeah. you're actively. So if you're always, for me, I strive to always actively seek education. I'm always trying to learn something new. If somebody tells me something, I, I want to give them my full attention. If it piques my interest and I've not heard it before, because I'm always learning. Um, so I learned from my community, but I sought my certification first from Tricome Institute. Um, and then I, I got the condition certifications one, two, and three, um, through the ECS therapy center. And that, um, those are accessible online as well. Awesome. You can, um, access those classes via, a teacher or something locally, but you do have access to them online. So you can cut out that middle person um, and it's self self led. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like it's important for people who want further education to be able to know because there's so much out there. Yeah. So it's nice. I do need to say, uh, I know I glossed over or I did say that in the beginning, I thought the certification was bullshit. Um, And, this that was four years ago now i understand and because i have completed these these condition certifications i have learned things that i couldn't have found on my own research because um i needed that educator's experience as a scientist that i don't have yeah you ended up having finding a lot of value in it yes yeah so anyway Thank That's you for great. asking that question. Yeah, of course. So what was your vision for bringing education to Oklahoma, and how did you decide what direction you wanted to take it? Thank you. Um, 
basically it was like an anti a personal anti stigma campaign. I love um, it. <laughs> you know, like I don't we're not all burnout. We're four years in now, so everybody. I mean, it's common knowledge that there are learned folks in our in our community. Um, but four years ago, for me, it was how can I learn more? I I was very eager to to learn why cannabis was healing, right? So I didn't have the terpene education. I didn't have the cannabinoid education. I didn't have uh, the complex cannabinoid profiles memorized. I didn't know any of that. Um, I just knew that there was a reason. Uh, it came from a place of logic and a place of wanting to share the information so that my grandparents didn't think that everything I did and all my friends were burnouts. Um, right. it was just like an anti-stigma, um, you know, you believe in something, you see something working, you want it to, you want everyone else to believe in it too. Uh, really, that's it. Really simple. That's awesome. I feel like that's the best way to. Simple or organic. Yeah. Organic. Yeah. And it's just the best way to like get after your vision is to have that wanting to break something and like prove people wrong. So that's great. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Unfortunately in this industry, I mean, obviously a lot of people, not a lot of people, a little bit of people are making a lot of money. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's assumed that um, folks get into our industry to make money, but there are some of us who got into this industry because they wanted to live their dream. Um, and some of us are actually living it. I love it's, to hear that. I, we still pinch <laughs> right ourselves. We still look at ourselves and go, is this really happening right now? <laughs> is this so, a, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Best. That's so cool. So, Jesse, yeah. what would you say? What's your favorite thing about being a leader here in the Oklahoma cannabis industry? Thank you for asking. That's hot. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, can go a lot of different ways. So maybe my favorite, my, I don't know that I'm a leader. That was hard for me to answer that. That's My okay. favorite thing about, listen, the only reason that people listen to me is because I, I just dove in and I never came out. So I spend every day having these conversations with people like us um, who just want to live their truth mm -hmm. and uh, just love it so much and are so passionate about it. They're just like in it. Like this is my true life. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'm a. I am do not know that I'm a leader. I feel like I that makes want, you that that well, makes you a leader. You have an influence yeah. in one way or in the other, and I think, yeah, that's, yeah. So. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. So, as a business owner and educator, do you have any advice for anyone listening that may be interested in getting into the cannabis industry or learning more, but not really sure where to start? Yeah, don't quit your day job. So uh, everybody says that that's so generic and cheesy, and it also sounds like a dick thing to say. It's not. You got it. You have to pay the bills to support your dream. So uh, pay your bills, um, and then do all of the research now. Seek those certifications. Get as many as you can. Enrich your personal library of wealth. Um, I love the PubMed. Uh, I love data, so I access data first um, from scientists because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a healthcare professional. Um, so I just tell them, uh, don't quit your day job, but also don't waste any more time because, um, there are a million of us and every day there's 45 more people moving here, uh, or more to get, to, 
into our industry. So don't wait. Don't wait until Budweiser gets here and Whole Foods. And, uh, you know, if your dream is to be in this industry, don't quit your day job, but don't waste any time. Yeah, that's good. You answered that really quick. (laughs) That's awesome. So, okay, Jesse, we like to ask everyone this question, but what is a stigma that you would like to see changed just surrounding cannabis? Yeah, I think people should do more research regarding um, prenatal cannabis consumption. Yeah. I'm not going to get on a soapbox here, but um, regard also um, uh, postpartum, postpartum yeah. care. Absolutely. Um, um, breastfeeding, uh, supporting, mm-hmm. supporting breastfeeding mothers who are uh, cannabis patients. Mm-hmm. Um, I just implore if you're a family, a new mom, a support person, a grandma, um, do your research. Stigma is a mother. Like we were all born with social stigmas and guilt and like oppression uh, from what the people before us made us feel about cannabis as medicine. But please, there is data. It's 2022. Science tells us so much more than what your grandma told you at the kitchen table. Yes. Open your mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. That's a cool perspective that I feel like we've, we've not heard yet. And it's, I love hearing everyone's perspective on that answer or question. Thank you. Well, Jesse, I think this wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for taking time to share your story and chat with us today. Is there anything you'd like to add before we hop off? No, just keep doing your thing, providing a platform, getting a voice. You guys are killing it. I see you out there. Just keep doing it and growing. You are changing lives every day by providing this platform. And I just want to thank you and, and implore you to keep going. Thank you so much. Yes, it's so kind I appreciate of you. your really kind appreciate words. You. Always encouraging. Well, thank you. Yeah, and go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say, and I'm always here for you. Um, you know, I'm always about growing that Venn diagram of strong, empowered females in our industry. And uh, the more of us we have that we can trust and lean into, yes. um, I'm all for it. So please, uh, please reach out to me anytime. I appreciate well, that. Thank you so much, Jesse. You're awesome. Yes. Thank you for everyone listening for tuning in to another episode. And as always, um, stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.